Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B Podcast. I am your host, Joe Ducaro. This episode is the audio taken from our webinar that we ran last week called How to Crack B2B Influencing. I was joined by Tom Armitage from Sightseeker, Shivy Gelotta from Story, James Gale from Shogun Social and Martin Boyle from Lead Forensics. We've seen a huge rise in influencing in B2C culture, so we all gathered to discuss how B2B can reap those same benefits too. So without further ado, here is the audio from our webinar, How to Crack B2B Influencing. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to this essential B2B webinar brought to you once again by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Brand Awareness Manager Joe Ducaro, and the theme of today's webinar is How to Crack B2B Influencer Marketing. So influencer marketing has skyrocketed in B2C, but can it offer the same benefits to B2B? Omnichannel marketing is a must if you want to connect with the right people, and one of today's trending strategies is influencer marketing. Many organizations are turning to influencers to add value, drive awareness, and connect with their audience. So joining me to discuss B2B influencing, we have James Gale, founder and director of Shogun Social. Hiya, James. Lovely to see you all. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. We are also joined by Shivi Jalotta, B2B influencer and content marketing strategist at Story. Shivi, welcome onto the webinar. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure. We're joined also once again by Tom Armitage, digital sales playmaker at Sightseeker. Hiya, Tom. What's going on? I feel special because I'm the only one that's from the United States here. So, (laughs) (laughs) from across the pond, (laughs) represented. (laughs) And last but by no means least, we have Martin Boyle, Director of Brand and Communications for Lead Forensics. Hello, Martin. Hi, Joe. Uh, We will be using the chat function throughout the webinar, so if anybody in our audience does have a question, feel free to pop it in there. If we have time, we will get to it, but I'm sure we are going to have a lot to discuss. So I think let's just jump straight into it, shall we? So what different types of influencer marketing are there, and do you have a favorite or a least favorite? And I think, James, we'll, we'll come to you first, if that's okay. Absolutely. So... I think I've I've seen B obviously B two C usage of influencer marketing is massive, and there's obviously mostly a push towards using that uh, as for B two C e commerce brands. That's usually the, the the big push, right? And there's also kind of like a newer push towards user generated content by people who aren't particularly classed as influencers, and that's a massive part of the TikTok meta at the moment as well. But I think there's there's something to be said around you know just because it's B two B doesn't mean there's not a human behind the desk of that B two B organization. I think that's probably a, a key part uh, of that but different types definitely revolve around the different influencers so i i always look on an influencer to influencer basis and it's hard to classify them because creators come in so many different shapes and sizes that is actually you know going by a creator creator basis is how how we tend to to do things especially when we're looking at what's the best mix of things but uh, you can classify some sizes so we're looking at micro nano you know medium big whatever you want to call them uh, but i think it's in- interesting to look at them from an individual perspective and that's definitely what we do when it comes to looking at the the influencers spread and how they'd work in a b2b space as well because that is a massive exploding scene especially on tiktok Mm. i I did wonder how how quickly you would mention tiktok james because i know it's very much your instantly (laughs) fantastic uh tom we'll come to you different types of influencer marketing favorite and least favorite yeah if you're talking actual specific types or or formats you have um, the ones that are much more native, right? Where you got the influencer that, that's doing the normal 
organic, natural type of content, and then they'll give you know a shout out or a plug to uh, a paid sponsor. You have the ones where it's actually like completely owned by that brand and, and that post, that individual article, that individual um, video or image is actually on behalf of that brand, supplied by that brand. Um, that one's a little more uh, forthcoming and uh, less natural, less native. And then you have the the co-marketing opportunities. And I even see something just like this, right? I, I've been putting a lot of work into my LinkedIn activities over the past couple of years. Lead Forensics is a partner of ours, but me being on this webinar, it, I like this one the best, right? Because this is a two-way street. I like to view it as I'm helping Lead Forensics just as much as Lead Forensics is helping uh, SiteSeeker and my personal brand. And that's that's my my favorite type of of influencer marketing and, and that's where in the b2b space i think there's the the single most um most value and the biggest area of opportunity and do you have a least favorite then tom if linkedin yeah. this sort of thing is your favorite yeah i think i think the natural native type of plugs i don't know how much a lot of the brands are, are paying for that but i think it just goes one ear one <laughs> in one ear and out the other ear in a lot of cases and I don't think there is as much long-term value to to that type of, of activity. So yeah, that's where I stand. Thanks very much, Tom. Shivy, let's come over to you. Different types of influencer marketing, your favorite and your least favorite, please. Okay, so I think according to me, there isn't, you know, there are no types of influencer marketing. There are different types of influencers that you could collaborate with, depending on what your brand wants and what your vision is and what your objectives are. Now, these influences go from, say, an industry expert for analysis uh, to a niche-specific creator who's talking about a certain topic or maybe a generalized creator who's talking about everything and anything to stay relevant on, on different platforms, for example. Now, you can also add on even your personal employees who are working with you and have built their personal persona on different platforms. You can utilize those. Now, when I talk about the least in the... You know, least favorite, I think I'd go with the B2C that's very, very generic that's going on on Instagram. You know, there's so much cringe content. There's a saturation out there, honestly. And when I talk about the B2B uh, influencer marketing, I would definitely, definitely love, I love working in that sector because I am also working with a lot of creators. There's so much opportunity there. There's so much creativity and it's not on the face marketing, right? It's, it's very, very subtle. You've got to be very subtle with the marketing tactics out there. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I did love bringing up cringe content. That was very funny. Thank you very much, Shivy. Martin, round us out then. Different types of marketing, favorite and least favorite. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we have such a good panel. A lot of, a lot of ground has been covered. Um, so things haven't become, I suppose you could even potentially lump in affiliate marketing along with uh, influencer marketing. Um, in terms of um, like favorites and least favorites, so uh, favorite creators, I obviously have to shout uh, out Thomas there, but um, our audiences that we, that we um, sell to are predominantly sales and marketing. I really, the stuff that works is stuff that's engaging whether it's funny or emotional in nature so a couple of shout outs uh, for sales audience uh, Tom Boston does really good stuff at sales loft Will Aiken sales feed uh, for a marketing audience uh, this guy called Rob Mayhew he does more of like a London agency type thing which are these really amazingly well observed um, funny videos um, but what I would say is you know 
if you're watching this webinar now and you're working in the marketing function of a sheet metal manufacturer, like that still could be you because it's about identifying those pain points for your customers and creating the content around those. Because um, the stuff that I love is, is funny stuff, right? And in comedy, there's basically two things that will make you laugh across all comedy, and that is surprise or recognition. And when it's done well, there's not a lot that's funnier than recognizing someone else suffering the same pain as you. Um, my favorite. And least favorite, um, just anything that's boring or disingenuous, non non authentic, really. I'm not I'm not gonna name names or it's just stuff that you go on boring. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pleased you're not naming names, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think uh, we oh, everybody must be following Will Aitken at this point, right? He he is really, really doing smashing stuff on, yeah. on this. But also, I, I do have to show uh, Chris Van Prague, who has also appeared on webinars and podcasts with us. He's fantastic as well. Um, you need to check out his recent stuff as well. Um, yeah, I won't give away too much about what it is, but Martin, you, you'd very much enjoy that one, I think. Um, so if if B2B organizations aren't already, why should people be looking into influencer marketing? Uh, Shivy, let's come back to you on that one. Okay. I have three points to add on to this one. One is that it's really, really cost effective right now. If, uh, okay, so I've been working with a lot of Indian influencers as of now. And if I compare the cost that they charge for a post on Instagram is literally they charge about 2000, 3000 pounds. And if you want to have a post uh, or a kind of marketing uh, budget that you've set for LinkedIn, and if you want to collaborate with that kind of influencers that are based on LinkedIn, the cost is literally one fourth of what they're charging. So that is one of the reasons I think that you should be definitely investing. And honestly, now's the time because after two, three years, this becomes massive and they're going to charge literally the same amount that an influencer on Instagram is charging. Second, I think everybody's done seeing uh, boarding ads that you run on YouTube and your Google pages. So I think you have a lot of opportunity to create cre creative content. Honestly, there are so many uh, type of contents, whether it's webinar, whether it's doing a personal story with them, whether it's kind of carousal that you want to work with, or even for a matter of fact, nowadays that LinkedIn has started promoting, uh, the algorithm has started promoting videos. It's very, very easy to kind of put in your take on something and just post a video with a little bit of you know information on what the product is or what is your take on it. So these two things are massively kind of, uh, it's gonna help your business to grow. And uh, yeah, I mean, these two are the major, major points that you sh should be definitely investing in mm. influencer marketing. Well, uh, happily, your, your point there, Shivi, of you know, um, utilizing your video capabilities that leads me very very nicely to both james and to tom so james i'll come down to you first why should people be looking into sorry i'll rephrase that why should people be looking into influencer marketing i mean it's infinite answers and shivy's completely right i mean it's, it's an unt untapped underpriced market i hate to sound like gary v for a minute there but it's very much um it all's for the taking, especially in the B2B space. There's not many, B2B has a horrendous attitude 
uh, not intentionally, of being trapped in a bubble of their own professionalism. Like, because just because it got to B2B, suddenly all fun humanity just stops. And it's all again running those boring YouTube ads that we mentioned. And I think that has a, a, to do with a couple of things. One, obviously, it's just the culture of B2B organizations that it needs to evolve over time. And it's evolved at a lesser rate because they've been forced to evolve not as fast as B2Cs had to adapt to consumer needs. But there's also a lot of things we need to kick inside organizations like, like ours. So the culture of campaigns is one of them. And I say this to you know, a lot of my clients is you get stuck in going, right, okay, we've got this objective to hit. Let me whack a bunch of money resource behind that for three months. Poof, it's gone. Now, no one cares about that because it's gone. No one remembers it. There's something we need to change about providing ongoing value through these pre like these partnerships with influencers because, again, that's going to be the easiest way for B2B organizations to plug in and get video content because most of us aren't in a, a video content surplus unless they own media like, like lead forensics do, like Thomas does, which I'm sure Shubi does as well. So they're always in a content negative, which means they need to get ahead of that. And you might as well leverage the trust that others have already built because that's the main thing is piggybacking off the trust and authenticity built off these influencers that be that will help b2b organizations catch up because they do have catching up to do and it's building those long-term relationships again you don't want this to be a campaign or a culture thing that starts disappears in three months now it's gone uh boohoo no one cares anymore this is right how do i find five to ten influencers that i believe in their channel and i want their channels to succeed and push them forward because we all would have heard of the brands that constantly sponsor all youtube videos squarespace nordvpn you know also they appear every single video and that goes from a space of oh well done they're getting a payday what a sellout to squarespace keeping propping up my favorite creator i love that and there's so many things that i can apply to that brand and resonance can pair back around to those organizations that need to catch up so this is probably one of the biggest things that b2b organizations need to jump on like yesterday because it's just it's easy money and again it's no one's no one's doing it as much as they should be so that just means infinite potential and depending on the platform you choose like a TikTok, it could be the opportunity of youtube 10 years ago TikTok is now, sorry to sound like Gary Vee again, but yeah, that that's what, what we're looking at. So yeah, super exciting stuff. As you, as you can tell, I get a bit animated about it, but it's just opportunities galore. And actually, we, uh, to sort of, you know, shine like backstage, James, we were speaking recently about, um, can you, you tell us about that construction company you mentioned? Do you remember the, the content that they oh, were putting out that you told me so about? So if any, anyone in the webinar now and, and amongst the panel, go search up a YouTube channel called Asheville. Asheville Construction. They are a waste management aggregates and construction company based in the UK. And you know, when you initially envision that content, you think, oh, well, you know, moving stuff from one place to another and building a house or two, right? But they have turned the whole thing, they've mic'd up the MD and he's turned it into a full-blown YouTuber vlog influencer experience. Over 300,000 or 400,000 followers on YouTube slash subscribers, which is massive, first of all, because that's another revenue stream for him. So that's another reason why B2B brands need to take seriously. But he's managed to take waste management and bring in trains in and like build, build houses, which is nice actually to watch. But he's turned that into an absolutely outstanding experience. And now he's building new YouTube rooms for the likes of KSI. And he's collaborating with influencers on a B2C high level that water waterfalls down to him and it's a fascinating example of how one person did something extremely different that's just revolutionized how we could look at how you document construction just because he decided to do something that creators do and again that's why this is the ethos of our business post like a creator absolutely and i think it, there's something really compelling about watching people at work like you know particularly in an industry that you don't necessarily 
know anything about. But there's something really oddly compelling about that sort of thing. So, um, Tom, why should people be looking into influencer marketing, and what's the best way to identify the need for influencer marketing then? I think the need is always there. There's always audience members out there. You just need to find them, right? And traditionally, that's been done through more traditional digital tactics like SEO, like blogging and content, like pay-per-click management. And I think it's just a, a roundabout different way of going about finding those people. So the value is there. There's no other way of looking at it because the influencers are helping you find your audience just as you would need to do through other tactics and the, you have done through other tactics, right? I think it comes back to a couple of points. The first is a, a very well-known stat in social media marketing. That's the 99-1 rule, right? You have 1% of people that are creators, 9% that are engaging, and then that feeds to the 90% of people that are simply consumers and viewing, right? So it's just a, a logical stat to look at because it's like if I need to get in front of these 90 people or 99 people, I better go to the 1% that's creating to have the trickle down effect to the, the folks that are the viewers and the, those that are consuming. So the, the model itself is set up to be very successful if you can find the 1% that are creating and helping you find um, your actual relevant target audience among the 90 or the 99 if you include the engagers as well. And the other kind of cliche um, reference I'll make is, is the very old and, and, and we hate this term now, content is king, right? But what I'm going to a spin on it is personal content is now king. We've long gone are the days where companies could be successful with creating their own content on their own behalf because the algorithm algorithms has made it so you can't, in most cases, be successful on your own without having help from other other creators, right? And COVID did a lot of damage to this. Maybe the algorithms updated just coincidentally at the same time, but within the past two or three years, we've seen a massive, massive explosion among personal creators and creators getting a lot more comfortable in their own skin to step beyond just professional content where they're sharing their own personal stories and getting a lot more, a lot more ambitious with what they're saying on social media. And that's helping to pick up more followers, more uh, authentic engagement. And that's made it a lot more lucrative and enticing for brands to tap into these people. So that way they can get in front of, again, their, their audiences. So personal content is king. And the 99-1 rule are the two points that I'll make for that answer. Well, I mean, you know, they're cliche for a reason, Tom. So, you know, it, clearly if it works, then, you know. Martin, anything to, to add on that before we move to our next question? What should people be looking yeah, into? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, everyone's pretty much covered everything. You know, obviously helps you reach a wider audience. Um, more cost effective currently can even be free. So, you know, there's there's lots of things you can experiment with for nothing. Just to dip your tongue in the water if, if you're not if you're not entirely sold. So, I think that's um, that's a good place to start. Obviously, what you're doing as well when you're when you're working with an influencer is you're tapping into their credibility as well. So you're kind of borrowing some credibility from them. And the thing is, everyone always talks about B2B, logical, rational decision making. But actually, this is kind of bringing the emotion into it. Um, so I think that's that's really the edge for this. 
Yeah, and I, I do hope that our, uh, you know, people who have joined us for other Essential B2B webinars, I do hope you've got your bingo cards because we always seem to keep coming back to, you know, that people buy from people and bringing emotion to them, putting people first. So, okay, so Martin, you, you, you've helped us out a little bit there. You've touched on um, getting started and free and resources and things. So, Shivy, I want to get your thoughts on where do you start? What resources are out there to help or support your influencer strategy? Uh, we'll go back to the basics, I think. First of all, whatsoever your campaign is and whatsoever your product is, you've got to make sure that you have your objectives in mind. Then you've got to make sure that you have a list of influencers in mind, whether you want to go with the experts or do you want to go with somebody who's specifically talking about, in, uh, about a specific topic that's related to your industry. Second, you'd also have to keep in mind the kind of audiences they're catering to, right? If you want to speak with somebody and want to collaborate with somebody whose audience is not the ones that you're looking at, there's no point of collaboration there, right? It's just going to be, uh, it's going to reach a lot of people, but it's not going to give you results. So you've got to keep that in mind. Also keep in mind, uh, you know, the, the KPIs you want to keep in mind, say the brand awareness that you want, the engagement that you're going to get, the negotiations, how is that going to happen? So I think you should, when you want to start the influencer campaign, you should just stick to the basics as of now. Speak with them. When you're reaching out to them, just make sure that you personalize your emails. Just don't send a template-based email and just say that, hey, you know, you're doing really great. We'd like to collaborate with you. Just don't do that. It should be more about them. You just do a little bit of research and send out an email. That would be really good. So that, and, and sec, I think there's also one point to add in, their thought process and your thought process should be matching. Because if they do not believe in the vision and the product, the kind of marketing that's going to go out, it's going to look very, very fake. So you don't want to do that because any which way is your and the influencers, you know, the image is on the line. So you don't want to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic point you make there. So making sure that the sort of the goals are aligned, but also you know why you're making this particular piece of content and using this particular B2B influencer. Yeah, that's fantastic, Shivy. Thanks very much. Um, Tom? Where'd you start? What resources are out there to help with influencer strategy? So yeah, a lot of the tools around the B2C side, you got like Scrunch and Upfluence and things like that, but you're not going to really see a lot of, a ton of value from those on the B2B side because it's a lot more of niche creators that you're going to need to tap into and they're not going to necessarily be indexed in those type of databases and have that type of information there. And a lot of times they might not even be a, what they would consider a creator or, or an influencer. They're, they're probably not even going to be considering themselves that. So they're just doing it because it's a part of their job or a part of their interest. And those sometimes can be the best relationships because that's gonna be the most authentic and they're gonna be creating regularly, trying to cater to their audience in a way that's, that's most appealing and most natural to them and what their audience wants to hear. So you can't really discount people that are just, are, are not really already monetizing their personal brand. They might be still really good fits for your company. So uh, tools aside, best place to start, you have to become a part of the community first and foremost before you even start doing your outreach. If I, I just saw a post the other day on LinkedIn of, of a girl who got approached by a company to do some sort of joint uh, collaborative influencer effort, and there was a big checklist that she went through to make sure that this company was, was valid, right? Because there's lots of spammers out there. You don't know if they're just you know promising you um, empty promises. 
So she initially, she went to their LinkedIn page, saw how many employees there were, looked up this individual that contacted her, looked at the website, just verifying that they were credible, that this person was credible, that this was an, a legitimate influencer marketing program, uh, which is what I would, I would do the same exact thing too. So you need to make sure that before you start doing your outreach, that you actually have a presence there, that you understand the community, that you're actively creating content inside of that channel. So that way you already are building your own audience at the same time of leveraging the, the creator's audiences or, or ahead of le leveraging the creator's audiences. And there's more credibility there that, that the creators themselves can actually make sure that you're legit and that you know what you're doing. And they're more likely to back you and participate in your program if they actually know that you're, you're active, you're there, you know what you're doing, you know what you are talking about, and you know that the community has a, you know belief in you as a brand and as a business. So I would say be, before you even begin your influencer program, make sure that you're diving headfirst into whatever that platform of choice is, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, whatever it is, for probably at least six to 12 months minimally. So that way you can build a foundation, a, a fan base, and you can make sure that your employees and your staff and, and whatnot are, are actively engaging there before you start doing your outreach. And that recognition will absolutely help you if you're established slightly in that community to then go on. Yeah, fantastic, Tom. Thank you for swooping in when the uh, the gremlins have taken over James's internet. Thanks very much. Uh, Martin, we'll come come down to you on that one. Would you like to repeat uh, the question? Yeah. Has it been so long? No, 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 no. That's no, all good. <laughs> so resources, what resources are out there to help and support, right? Um, so obviously webinars like this one, great insights from everyone. Um, like Thomas said, I'm going to need to think creatively to come up with some extra stuff here. What I would say is, so I've worked in both B2B and B2C, and the, the obvious differences between B2B and B2C, there are, there are quite a few fairly obvious ones, but the one that really um, will probably resonate with everyone here is B2C, uh, B2C influencers, you can get hold of B2B influencers are very busy people doing their, doing their jobs um, quite quite often. So what I would say is, um, you know, don't be annoying, but be persistent because they might have just missed the demo. You know, they're they're trying to they're trying to a lot of these people are, are just trying to get their get through the list of things to do on that day. And the other thing I would say is. If you have an absolutely killer creative idea, it could well be worth dropping the big bucks on a well-known influencer. Um, but you have to be prepared to take the risk and you have to have a killer um, creative idea. So yeah, that, that would be my, uh, my answer on that one. <laughs> Thanks very much, Martin, yeah. Shivy, I wanna go back to something you mentioned uh, briefly, we touched on it. You mentioned KPIs. So, what KPIs should you have in place to monitor influencer engagement? Okay, so honestly, if I'm a brand, depending on brand to brand and the campaigns they want to run, different KPIs would be in mind. You know, somebody would, you know, talk about brand awareness, somebody's looking for followers, somebody's looking for engagement. That can vary. But if I, according to me, if I'm, uh, you know, executing a campaign, First thing that I want to keep in mind is that the kind of content that I want to post with an influencer, it should be more engaging and more conversational so that it kind of, you know, uh, 
sparks some emotion so that people can come down and kind of you know just tap in uh, click on something and just comment on asking certain questions or you know maybe just answering certain polls that i've asked so what happens here is that uh, i know the brand is going to get awareness of course they're getting awareness because the person is coming down and they're asking certain questions what else happens here is that if you tap into that emotion they would kind of go back to clicking on your website and understanding what the product is so what uh, to add on to this i think there's also one more thing because if an influencer is kind of posting certain things they have a very loyal audience they would engage with certain things that they are posting right so of course and the other thing is that what impact it's you know it's having on its audience so these are two major things that you know these are the two major kpis that i would keep in mind while i am executing a certain campaign with the influencers fantastic yeah so i suppose it, it can be quite difficult in terms of like a b2b space so trying to think of a way of tapping into emotion it can be tricky but it's also not impossible so <laughs> thanks very much Shivi. um james let's hope that the internet gods are kind to us when we come to you for this this question uh, what kpi should you have in place to monitor influencer engagement it's interesting because usually it would differ campaign to campaign, right? You, you want to track the things that you're after goal-wise. I think whenever I think of influencers, especially your first go-round, it's it's one testing the the reach and increase of of your brand and your web click-throughs, you know, the classic stuff. Also, I'm mainly focused on the qualitative data when it when it comes to it. I'm not really focused on the numbers. I'm focused on how how's it increasing your comments, how's it increasing your brand perception that's the big thing for me is is that trust we're trying to leverage actually having an impact and sometimes it's not going to work maybe the first video maybe the second or third or fourth video in the campaign starts to drive that traffic starts to start add usual ongoing interest in, in what you're doing i think that's probably the most important thing for me how are humans reacting to your brand uh, and how are you recording that as something that you can track for, for brand reputation so i think it's always going to go back to brand building especially from from my perspective so but there's plenty of things you can track all the classic kpis of reach impressions comments um, saves and shares are probably the two save shares and comments are the truest forms of engagement for me practical because we work in organic social every single day because those are the things people have to go out of their way the most to do so those for me show the most success because you've made something someone can actually give monkeys about and go oh, i had to comment on that i want it so good it's come back for later or i'm it's so good i'm sending it somewhere else to show everyone else so those are the ones i track the most tom's it a similar story for you or you've got different ideas what kpis to track yeah uh, I was going to take it in a little bit of a different direction. So um, one of the biggest things between B2C and B2B is, I think, the metrics and the KPIs. Because with, with B2C, you generally have a – they're generally okay with soft metrics, whether that's impressions, reach, or, or engagement metrics. And, you know, you might have B2C that, that's looking at that brand visibility, that brand awareness, and they're, they're okay with it because that's in, in B2C. That, that brand awareness is, is very important, especially over the long run, because there's gonna be greater recall for that brand recognition, right? I, I've never met a, a client whose goal in B2B wasn't one thing, sales. That's all they want, that's all they've ever been obsessed with. And you can have a, a really great discussion and argument over the importance of, of visibility and brand awareness, and then it, the conversation ends and they still say, how many sales did you generate? 
right? So because of that, those those soft metrics that should be in, and James talked about are, are important, but you still need to tie it back to actually real results at the end of the day, the hard metrics. So with that being said, as long as you approach with the right strategy, you make sure that the client is on board with this being a long-term program because you're not gonna have overnight success, you still need to tie it back to form fills and phone calls if those are your primary um, conversion points, which in B2B that still is, right? Live chats um, can be there as well. But if you have form fills as your primary goal for, um, for conversion points, you wanna make sure that how did you hear about us is in one of the drop downs for those forms and make sure that you have the options there that can tie it back to the influencer program or the social media program or the campaigns that you're running to make sure that that's there or an open field so that way they can type in who or how um, they heard about you and why they're actually requesting information or requesting a demo. And if you have phone calls as a primary conversion point, you got to make sure you have a call tracking solution in place like CallRail so that way you can tie it back to the source and the source medium. And if you're using the right parameters and the right UTM tracking and the right referral links and things like that, you can tie it back to the campaign as well. So soft metrics, very good, very good to track. Make sure it's there, but you got to tie it back to hard metrics in the B2B space. So that's what I'll add. Well, we always promise value with the Essential B2B webinars. And I think as a team, guys, you've really done very well with that answer just like across so we've got soft metrics we've got hard metrics fantastic martin any other kpis that you should have in place to monitor influencer engagement no i think you've like that is you've just absolutely nailed that answer guys nothing more to add on that one fantastic we've had we've had a perfect answer it's fantastic <laughs> uh guys this has been a fantastic conversation i was really looking forward to getting into this one it was a really really good chat so if i could come around to each of you now um and ask for one key takeaway and it can be a, a do or a don't or a, a blend of the two perhaps when it comes to influencer marketing can you please give me just one key thing shivy we'll start with you okay so uh I think you've got to be open to ideas of collaborating with different influencers and it's not going to happen overnight. You have to give your time and energy. And if you come to an influencer and tell them that, hey, I'm looking for such and such sales or such and such downloads, it's not going to happen overnight. You have to give that certain amount of time, say two to three months, four months to show that the campaign is up and running. One campaign will not change anything. So you have to have to have patience and giving time. That is my one big gift right now. Thank you so much, Shivi. It ties in nicely to what Tom was saying about you know seeding it, yeah. but also so you got to seed it for enough time, plan the campaign, and then give it enough time to to see those results coming in. So thank you very much, Shivi. That was a fantastic answer. Uh, James, we'll come down to you next. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to kind of wrap things up. I think there's a, a experiment with lots of different content types and content platforms. So when you're looking at, you know, can you take advantage of TikTok? Can you look at long form content in video podcasting to create a relationship with not only the influencer's face, but but your own? Like, can you come on more of a level pegging with an influencer? So it feels like more of a collaboration than, hey, I pay you to do X. And I think this is where optimizing your own social uh, presence comes back into it, really focusing on your own organic and just making sure that you are a master of edutainment. 
like when it comes to working with influencers, right? How can you put value out in a way that's not going to make people click away in three to five seconds? It's going to be, you know, pushing the influencer to be creative, but do it in a quick way because the war for attention online is ruthless. You have an average of two seconds to stop someone scrolling, think, scrolling thumb. So, you know, depending on how they create, you have to figure out a way to, if it is long form, get them with that hook headline in the beginning, that journalistic element, and put your creative and journalistic hat on to think, you don't want to, you know, cut the legs out from under your influencer, but how do you give them all the tools to succeed and put that value in to what is their unique style? And yeah, having a really creative focused hat on and make sure your marketing teams have that resource there to go at it hard and work with them on a really, really interesting level. Absolutely. And and as you say, keeping people's faces in your content as well, it's it just, you know, that's where you see it really, really blown up. So James, thank you very, very much for uh for your point there tom we'll come up to you then one yeah. key takeaway my initial response was the same as, as shivy's because i think that that is probably the most important is it this is a long-term play this is not like google pay-per-click ads where you can start seeing results tomorrow it needs to be looked at in the same vein as as organic social you have to give it time or it will absolutely backfire in your face and you're going to have a hard time you know swallowing the pill of, of that investment if you don't give it time to grow and breathe um but since she took that i have another one and that is to make <laughs> you give it enough budget because this is not a easy or free tactic or initiative and it, that budget can come in terms of paying those influencers it can come in terms of uh free swag or free promotional items or free software whatever it is that you might be bartering or it could come in terms of time, effort, and labor. This takes a lot of time to manage if you're going to do it right. So keep in mind the budget as it relates to the resources that need to be applied to this program in order for it to be successful. Or it could lastly come in terms of salary. I saw a LinkedIn post the other day that said, within the next three to five years, B2B companies will actually be hiring their top influencer and bringing that in-house because this is going to become that valuable where it's not going to be you know it's cost you have to reach whatever is most cost effective with the strategy right when does it reach that threshold where it just makes more sense to hire them and pay them a full-time salary and have them be creating a an endless amount of content during a 40-hour work week and once that scale tips then things are really going to get shaken up so make sure that you give enough budget um in terms of you know cost fees going out to the influencers uh, resources or swag, labor and and fees or even salary. That's that's my point. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, take it seriously is what you're saying, Tom. <laughs> uh, Martin, one final takeaway from you, please. Yeah, uh, probably just building on Thomas's point there. Um, in B2B, um, you know, if you're after leads and sales, uh, one thing that you can offer. Um, influencers that is of value to them of course is a commission so there's a there's that lever as well that you can pull my my main uh key takeaway though i would say is um basically if you haven't already um, start doing this then take a plunge try some different options and see what works fantastic thanks very much martin thank you everybody for joining us for a really really good discussion i think you've each contributed really really valuable stuff to our audience and a lot of things to take away so 
thank you very much to our panel. Thank you very much to everybody who's watching this. And we'll see you again for the next B2B webinar. Thanks.